I'm James. And I'm Dan. We're the Ragamuffins. And we've just had a chat with Larry and Joe from Shields. We've talked about all the plans for 2024 New Music Takedown Festival. And Adam Levine, who's in the room. So we're here with Joe and Larry from Shields. How are you doing, boys? Very well, thank you. Great to see you. Excellent. So we're going to go through your perfect gigs today. We're going to pick you against each other a little bit and and see how it goes. Um, But kind of to start off the process with it, what was the first ever gigs you went to? I don't know. My parents took me to see a lot of music when I was a kid. So I'll I'll say the first gig I voluntarily went to. Which, uh, me, Sam and myself went to see Bowling for Soup when we were like 13 years old at Brixton Academy. Oh, wow. That's a and cracking I, first yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. So my mum came with us because we were too young to go on our own. She saw it was 16 plus and she was like, well, I definitely must. And it must be seating. And of course, we wanted to go in the pit because we'd been buying Kerrang. <laughs> we were seeing all of the uh, the pit stories and the crowd shots. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to go and mosh and all that kind of stuff like that. So we just sat in the... Uh, in the um the, the seating area at Brixton Academy, and my mum was like, "Oh, you know, it's not that sold up here, so I'll sit a few seats away from you." And there was like one bit in the song that I really, really wanted to sing along to, and it's that one bit in the girl and the bad guys want when he's like, "All I wanted was to see her naked." <laughs> <And then laughs> Good take. Bowling for soup in the room with us. As I was singing that part, she was like, "Hey, hey Lola, do you, do you want some some Coca Cola or something like that?" And I was like, "I'm oh, <laughs> talking about naked ladies over here." <laughs> how about you larry okay so i went to see it's gonna make me sound really old because i am old um i went to see the wild hearts but only because their support band was a band called amen who this american punk band if you haven't heard of them you should definitely check them out they're so heavy and offensive and aggressive um and we thought the entire room would be a mosh pit. Like we, before we went in, we were tightening up all our shoes, putting on like we we. I deliberately took trousers that had zips on my pockets because I was convinced I'd lose my wallet and stuff it, like that. It's always good to be prepared and take. Yeah, yeah man, I was ready for a fight basically <laughs> at, uh, at four about fourteen again actually. Yeah, it's good oh, fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, if you haven't checked out Amen, man, oh my god, they're such a good band. They were such a good band. And that's why we went. And it was, it was weird because it's very much a young person's band to, to go and watch. But then you had like the much older audience. I don't know how they were on that tour even because it was such a divide. There's like 50 year old men in there with a bunch <laughs> of like 14 year olds beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> like it was crazy. To be fair, 14 years old and just being ready for the pit. I, I respect yeah, that. I was in there straight away. Yeah. <laughs> My guy knows how to mosh. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to bring back to Joe for a second. Do we are you, do we get to hear your first involuntarily gig that you went to? Oh, I don't know because I, you don't remember taking me to stuff like I don't know it's folk gigs and classical music and musicals and stuff like that. So like it's 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 a blur of 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 a of a like a, a blurral mural of memories of like going to folk gigs at the Roundhouse. I saw Richard <laughs> Thompson. Um, we were quite good friends, like family friends with um. The band called Pentangle, who were like a folk kind of folk revival from the sixties. Yeah. That era when folk was big again. Um, so I saw them a few times when I was quite young and uh sat in the practices. So it was just in and around creativity and music. Kind of nice to grow up with that and just, just see live music, I guess. Yeah, amazing. My mum was my mum's an art teacher, so it was very much like an important thing for her, for us, me and my sister and my siblings, to um, you know, see art of all kind of forms. 
Uh, but from going from your first gigs to your very own gigs, what are your first bands on your own create curated lineups? Who's opening the show? I'm going to do a nice... I don't know, what is it? I'm going to do a nice kind of uh, small-sized band that I love um, as everything unfolds. Not small, but compared to like the bands that I'm putting on the headline and stuff like that, like a good opener who deserves to be on an opening set of like a sick four-band lineup on a big stage. Yeah. Love it. Like, where did you first come across them? How did you kind of find their music? Well, we have definitely known about them for ages because they're just in and amongst the same group of bands as us and scenes. And they've now just like exploded into like a much like bigger trajectory than we ever have been. Um, and I've not really known them that well until their late, mate, latest album came out last year. And then I was like, this band are serious. They know what they're doing. And so, yeah. We're, we're seeing so, them, I think, next week, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. excited for that. Got a really great headline tour coming up. They're playing at some venues that I really want to play at, like the Cluley in Newcastle. I lived in Newcastle for a little while, and um, if, although it's only like a two hundred cap venue, it's just such a cushy little venue in there. It's a nice atmosphere. You always get a good crowd. Sweet. That tour is starting to sell out. I've noticed as well, which is really nice to see. Beautiful to see. Right then, Larry, who's your opening act? Okay, so this is Joe. Looks really good with that because that's very, it's very, very nice to. I'm going to look bad. I'm picking a really old band. I've picked Alkaline Trio. I don't know if nice. they are. I might again, I'm showing my age again. <laughs> <laughs> I just think they're the ultimate punk songwriters. Like they're just so good and they can do everything. They can do loud and noisy and screamy and they can do very chill and like somber songs as well. They've got like a whole load of acoustic albums as well that... They released. They re-released recently every single album they've ever done live. Like they just played the entire set of their whole whole album, but for all their albums, and it's amazing. They just give a lot a lot to their fans because that's what people like to hear. I think they don't get that very often. No, you say they're quite a diverse band in terms of sound. Would you have like a preference for the set? Would you prefer it to be a bit more of like an acoustic-y, chilled-out vibe, or would you rather them go for the the heavier side of things, a bit more energy? I would like full-on noise and ag aggression from them. And when I say aggression, it's like it's like very clever aggression as well. Like they're they're very amazing lyricists and stuff like that. Like they're just really clever dudes, I think. And um, yeah, I'd go for full-on punk noise just to wake people up as an opener. You know, I like I like openers that have something to prove. And that's always what was fun in the past touring being an opener sometimes is that nobody knows who you are and they don't really care and that's a nice challenge sometimes so i think they could do that as everything unfolds would definitely do that do very well so yeah that chance to win people over oh yeah definitely it's kind of a nice thing it's a nice bit of animosity to greet you before you played your first song <laughs> <laughs> so to bring it to yourselves uh last year was a big year for you uh coming back playing uh having but uh having uh, bury me come out we talked to you a little bit about it at burn it down but after having some time with the song now being able to play it live how has your relationship with it changed uh, and especially performing it live has there been any changes to the song live structurally or or how you play it a certain way i think the song has remained for me more or less the same in terms of like structurally and like everything that's going on i think there's some like key moments that i always try and hit like especially working up to the pitch scream at the end of the song and um, just trying to bring the energy because it's one we open our set with every time now. Um, we, we start off these days with like this jazz intro where it's like 30 second excerpt from an Ella Fitzgerald song. 
and then just like kick straight in with bury me and um for me that just that like you know hype just com completely overwhelms me and i have to control myself from going too extra otherwise that ruins the vocals and i have to just like um concentrate on it a bit so it's a bit of like a stimulating one to start with my relationship with it is is being really healthy because it's such a throwback to what we thought shields just kind of was you know like the metalcore riffs and the like the the jordan um guilt era style kind of like circle pit riffs um and yet still adding this new kind of flavor like we've really started collaborating on the way we write recently so i think we've taken bury me and we've um well, we've, we've written bury me and it's gotten out we've strained out the last of the old version of shields in in the way i feel about it is like that because the stuff we've been writing recently is is almost completely different it's definitely i think it's got the essence of the stuff that we always write with you know like the riffs and the beats we go for but it's um it's taken on a whole new shape and form and i actually feel like bury me was a really good last hurrah of what shields was before we broke up um and then having come away done that after five years later we've just kind of gotten gotten out of our system and moved on to different things so for me bury me kind of stands as a testament to everything shields was and has been up to the point where it was released and then since then we've just although we've loved playing it moved on into a completely new era um in fact i can't wait to you know start talking about the stuff we've been writing in a, in a bigger way and like showing people what it is eventually can't really say when that'll be but we're just kind of hunkering down at the moment and just making sure we're writing as much as we possibly can so in a way for you, your relationship with the song is kind of summarized by the lyrical content and the title itself that you've kind of buried the old shields and kind of moving on to kind of a new shield, a new band kind of thing. I guess so. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. That's actually something I hadn't thought of, to be fair. That's pretty good. Yeah. You're the one with that song is how do you feel like the fan reaction's been to it as well, kind of to have that reception? Um, I think it's been really pleasant that's the thing it's it's a weird thing as we said in like to you guys before i think when we met you guys at um bennett down it's like we didn't really know what the reaction was going to be to us coming back we hoped and had a feeling it would be good but um because like joe says it's kind of a, a kind of a modern throwback to what we did it's the thing that i've noticed the most is people uh had a lot of nostalgia for things especially when we're playing like some of the older cuts in our set as well and um that's like at first you're not quite sure how to take that not, not in a bad way but like you sort of like i've never had nostalgia thrown at me before do you know what i mean and it's like and um it's it's what you realize is that actually it's just without sounding arrogant it's like a, a love for what you've done before which is a really nice you can't you can't be mad at that it's it's really nice and it's um I think Bury Me works perfectly for that as well because it's moved forward, but also touches back on some of the sounds that people got into us for in the first place. It's definitely well, a strange like a... thing being called a throwback band or <laughs> an old, one of the old school bands. I'm just like, yeah. huh? <laughs> but like you can have that great appreciation now and like you say, looking back at everything you've done and then yeah. kind of have that turning into how you're going to move forward with everything. Absolutely. One of the best things about coming back is coming back with a fresh perspective and a completely blank canvas of like what you expect from people and their reactions. And just for people to come up to you and tell you what your music has meant to them, especially since being away from it for so long, um, you know, it's really, really enriching. It's really humbling. 
Yeah. This and it's nice knowing that we have so much more to give as well. We have so much more to give. Yeah, there's some fuel in this tank. Blow some lids. <laughs> That's exciting to hear. Yeah. That answers my next question, really. I was going to ask if kind of seeing that reaction from people and, and playing, sh playing shows together again after, after so long gives you sort of the energy to kind of carry on and sort of be bigger and, and, and as, as good as Shields can be, I suppose. Absolutely. Um, honestly, like coming back and playing these shows, there's been more people coming to see us than I ever expected there would be. Having not done anything in five years and not being a band that I considered particularly like successful either. Um, I was incredibly happy with where we got to and really proud of it and have been my whole life. But to come back and see the same amount of people come to shows, I was like, holy shit, like, people, were, people are still here for us. Yeah, it's encouraging. Um, gives us like, you know, that extra bit of fuel in the tank, like the gas in the pedal, I guess. Brilliant. Well, let's move back to your perfect gigs. Who are your second bands on your lineups? Second on is Radiohead. Nice. Yeah, away. But, but but the but. stage, right, is striking, stricken, struck, and put in the middle of the room. And it's only like a two foot like high stage. And then people can just like spectate from around them, like in the round, like a circus kind of almost like Metallica way in terms of how they have their setup. Yeah, except it's not so like untouchable. Like yeah, yeah. Go and just be like, hello, Tom York. And like <laughs> I've been wanting to do this for a while. <laughs> we can really we get finally meet, guy, you know. <laughs> but it's like you know, they just do this like super intimate, like some of the really cool electronic stuff from Moonshaped Pool, in Rainbows, like OK Computer, like you know some of the best. Everything I, mean, I love in its right place, man. Everything, oh. in the right, everything in the right place. Um, and then yeah, the lighting rig also moves across the room on an aerial transporter, and. Sits around them, and you know you're just next to Radiohead while they're just fucking around. With is this is this just for Radiohead? Are they the only band in your lineup that's playing on that central stage? Absolutely. I love that you've got like a whole production thought out. Everything's like I'm gonna have this, I'm gonna have that. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, my um, my day job is in theatre tech, so <laughs> that's right in the forefront. Secondary, yeah. Right, go on then, Larry. Top that. <laughs> oh man, I hate going second because you yours is so grandiose, man. I had every time I die. Um, yeah, reunion, yeah, which is just again full on noise in your face. Rest in peace every time I die. Um, mm -hmm. I almost said many eyes just because I love Keith's voice, but I'm gonna go for OG. I'm assuming we can pick bands that have broken up as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's your <laughs> perfect gig, you can do what you want. Yeah, man, I just I just love that band, and I, they were so good live and uh, just mental, and their riffs were very mental as well. And um, I actually like this is completely. I don't think Sam or Joe listen to them, so I think like I can hear elements of it in our new music now, even and stuff like that, which I'm loving, which I don't think is deliberate at all. But um, you know, I think I think they're one of those bands that surprisingly, weirdly, even though they were pretty big when they broke up, not many people seem to also know about. It's like a weird little niche in mm. in the metal world yeah agreed i actually they, didn't broken up either oh there you go, there you go. <laughs> sorry sorry to break the news joe my favorite band how was it you first got into every time i die i saw them live um i went to a gig when i was a teenager like all my friends we used to go to at least one or two gigs every single month back when you could um afford gig tickets as a teenager and um i used to go to the wedge drums a lot and we went to see the band chimera 
I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Yeah, and they were they were opening every time I die were opening, and they were on for the, all the Etid fans out here. You'll know the, the album Hot Damn, which is probably heralded as like their best or like you know their most like craziest work. They were touring that album, and they just blew my head off. And I literally went to HMV the next day and bought their album. And ever since then, so this is probably like 2004. I'm gonna say maybe like super super long time ago. Um, yeah, and they were just amazed. Nobody rocked out as much as they did live back then with the most intricate music. Like for me, that was like just as a teenager, that's amazing to see. Incredible. I mean, you kind of spoke there as well with going and buying our albums and to keep with this kind of throwback with it. What were the first albums that you ever bought? Um, I think my first album. Uh, okay, this is really embarrassing, actually. I'm gonna, <laughs> I like to. Be, I'm, gonna, I'm not on this guy. I could say something really cool, but the, the best like, answers are the embarrassing ones. Yeah, exactly. And actually, it's probably not. Now that I'm old, I don't really care as well. But um, I used to. I used to buy loads of Ministry of Sound CDs. Like I got my first music I ever got into was like EDM. <laughs> And uh, wow. yeah, they used to buy their compilation ones. They used to come in really cool booklets. Like, had loads of, like, I don't know, just the artwork was pretty cool. And yeah, like, loads of, like, Tall Paul and um, Judge Jules and stuff like that. Loads of cool, Fatboy Slim, loads of remixes that were on it all the time. You know, I actually have one with an original Darude Sandstorm on it before it was amazing. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. You know your EDM, you know the rude sandstorm. See, I still remember compilation albums like that being advertised on the TV. Yeah, man. Like it'd, ha it'd have oh, that yeah. generic advert guy voice. It's like only nine ninety nine. Yeah, man. Wool Woolworths <laughs> all the way. Yes. Like, Hell yeah. Oh. How about you, Joe? First album. No shame. Maroon Five. Songs about Jane. Amazing album. Still stands the testament of time. What drew you to it? Um, I don't know. I think my friends were listening to it, and I was like, "This is cool." Got guitars, I like his voice, and then I just chained it to death. And little did I know, Sam, we hadn't met each other yet. We were like, this is like when I was like nine, eight years old. Sam Kubrick also bought the album around that time. And there's been many, we even listened to them in the car today, actually, like when we came back from the gym. There's been many a time when we've just put that album on, and it is a banger every single time. I can harmonize with every single lyric on the album, I know it inside out. Are we getting a Shields cover of Maroon 5, perhaps? Yeah, absolutely. I know you, that, a, you actually want to do it as well. That's definitive, that seems. Uh, well, I, I'm, it is now. <laughs> How about uh, Takedown? Yeah, it's just a Maroon 5 cover set. That's it. That's all, that's all we yeah. want. That, that's actually, and the acoustic one too. Everybody yeah. knows all we want is tributes these days, so why not? We're just jumping on it. Yeah, I made a lot more money being in a Black Parade. Yeah, uh, that's um, what sells tickets Black these days. It is. I made a lot more money in a My Come Romance tribute called The Black Parade. Um, than I ever did with Shields. <laughs> wow. Yeah. To be fair, Takedown this year has a, a sort of a lineup. You're going to think you're at a tribute show, but they're the real deal, you know? So it's there's some pretty good, good for the oldies like me. Oh my God, there's some amazing bangers out there. Yeah, you're going to think you're watching Maroon 5. Adam's there, like in the room. It's going to be great. <laughs> I wish I was this good. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> He'll have his top off and everything. <laughs> any, any situation in life Adam's there in the room <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't necessarily know he's there but he's there he's watching Adam's <laughs> there in the room <laughs> <laughs> <Very> sketch <laughs> 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 through the door 
Adam. Oh, that's <laughs> anyway. Speaking of being in the room, you guys have been in the studio. You've been teasing that you've been writing and recording some stuff. How's that coming along? And can we expect any new music anytime soon? Do you think? Um, I don't know exactly when. I have a rough outline that I can't really talk about yet because it's not solidified. Um, but we are. We're not kind of constricting how much we're writing. We're literally just any idea we're exploring, any idea we think can be good, we're exploring and seeing where it goes, which is yielding. Um, you know, some results that don't go anywhere, but when you hit the nail on the head, you've allowed yourself to get stuff wrong a few times, or at least you've allowed yourself to write stuff you're not that preferable to, so that when you finally get to something that kind of falls out of you. I like to think the good ones, the good songs, the good lyrics, the good ideas, they fall out of you. You just vomit them onto the page or into your computer. And um, we're, we're kind of allowing a lot of time for that. I think that's what's so good about having your own studio is that because we have this space that's all ours, um, it's not shared with anyone else. It allows us to um, write with any boundaries, basically. So I answered your question that I've completely forgotten what is. Yeah, it's basically when, when can we expect new music, basically. Yeah, it's all very exciting. And um, I think it's just some of the most interesting stuff we've been able to explore because we've had the time and space to do that. You said about earlier on about kind of being a bit more collaborative with that. Has that kind of really helped change the sound like you think you mentioned? Do you reckon it's the collaborative process? Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's ideas, you know, someone makes something or has an idea and goes, I think this should be there. It's something you would have never thought of. Yeah. That's yeah. the beauty of having several minds or something. And a, a cool thing is that we've been discussing is because we've been away for a while, there's no rules. Like, <laughs> We can have Adam in the room. <laughs> Adam you know, Levine watches. There's no yeah. rules. We can just do what we want, really, with it, because nobody, <laughs> nobody's expecting. Like, I don't think people know really what to expect, and if the, you know, there'll be elements that there'll be elements of this typical Shield sound, you know, here and there as well. But you never like we, we don't really know what's what's coming out for the at the moment until we finish this thing, and it's so far it's just been like such an enjoyable process. So we're going to keep doing it until we come up with something that we, we know is finished. There's mm -hmm. an exciting time. We want a bit of a deadline, but um, that's fine. Deadlines are healthy. Gives you that target to work towards. Yeah, you know, it means you don't fuck around. It means you know how to get stuff done. <laughs> so we're going to come back to your perfect gigs. We're on to the sub-headliner slot. Uh, we'll go with you then, Larry, first. You said you didn't want to go second. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Standard production for all of my choices. <laughs> So I've gone for Biffy Clyro. Excellent. Um, and again, I think they would go with my lineup of chosen. There's not too many clangers because they're pretty damn heavy live, actually. Um, especially like the era that I got into them. Um, and I've probably this is one of the bands other than Deftones. They're the one of the bands I've seen the most live. I've probably seen them at least seven or eight times. I think, and I'm sure there's loads of people that's been like, oh, I've seen them fifty times or something. But for a man who hasn't got much money, I've seen them eight times. And um, yeah, they're, they're just like, again, they've got a big variety to their sound. They can be massive. They can be really, really, really melodic. You know, they can just be like full on mental. And um, I think like Simon Neal's one of the most um, creative, inventive guitarists out there in modern rock music, I think. A lot of people, you know, again, people probably scoff at that, but I think he's a real special talent, that guy. You see, I always try and make this argument, like the two times they've been booked to headline download, there's like the traditional like download goers in the comments on social media and stuff responding to the lineup being like, oh, they're not a rock band, they're a pop band. Yeah. But I've always, and, and others have always tried to push, they're as much of a rock band as like 
any other headliner. Yeah, for real. I, I've seen I've seen those same sort of comments for it, and it, it it's really strange. I have to assume they haven't seen them. And like, yeah, in recent years, they have gone a lot more sort of. In at times, they've gone more poppy for sure. But you know, that's again, that's like a, a genuine transition for a band. You know, I think Bring Me the Horizon get the same yeah. thing thrown at them, don't they? But if you go and see them, it's going to blow your head off. That's if you don't like. I think people, especially metal people, can sometimes mistake heavy for like technical and all that sort of thing it's actually heaviness is in delivery it's not in the riff or the tuning or anything like that it's delivery and biffy clyro have always been amazing at dynamic delivery in heaviness very strong pretty good joe are you ready ready (laughs) all right my my main support is kind of like a dual headliner because i couldn't choose what i wanted and i really wanted them to be a collaborative kind of production so before before you say anything i'm judging by the look on larry's face i'm guessing this is one that he hasn't been told about he knows about this oh he knows this one okay is from the beginning adam is in the room (laughs) adam's side stage yep and also front of house Um, the sound engineer is meshuggah's sound engineer and lighting guy it's a production team um the main support is the war on drugs and half of their set they're covering Meshuggah. <laughs> yeah. And they have to dress up like Meshuggah. And they have to pretend they're Meshuggah when they're not. <laughs> and they have to <laughs> they have to do a costume change every time they do a Meshuggah song, but costume change back to the war on drugs outfits. Otherwise Adam Levine vomits. He won't be, oh, yeah. won't be a happy guy. He, he, he's not gonna be happy. So then with the costume changes, is it literally just like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth? Yeah, they've they've been challenged to do it. <laughs> Otherwise, they don't get their rider. <laughs> so it's just for your pure enjoyment for that. Rider after the set and not a minute before. Yeah. <laughs> after the drummer's dead from cost- playing yeah. bleed. <laughs> yeah. I've got to ask, where, where did the inspiration for that come from? I don't know. I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> okay. So... I was just like, I love both those bands, but considering this is a hypothetical dream lineup, I can do anything I want. To, to be fair, I'd like, I'd like to see that. Yeah. 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 But they've got a team of, you know, people who help them get, actually all the costumes are Velcroed, so it makes it easier to get in and out of them. <laughs> You've thought of everything. Black Velcro t-shirts and then a, some black Velcro gloves to be Thomas Hack. Don't forget the wigs as well. And the wigs and the beards. Yeah. Velcro beards. Or they have, or they have one of those curtains that, like the quick change magic magicians have, where they do. Yeah, they like, got to do it in pitch black. And it's like, hey. <laughs> it's just there's loads of there's loads of haze on stage, and they have to do it in pitch black. That's where the lighting yeah. guy comes comes in. Yeah. Well. Yeah, doesn't light it at all. You said Adam Levine's side stage. Is he helping them all with the costume changes as well? Is he ripping the Velcro off? Adam Levine is getting ready to vomit on the instruments if they get it wrong. Oh, he's there. He's, he's there as a threat. <laughs> <laughs> He watches like a hawk with his SG in the background. He's, He's like, ready to jump in. It's taking its toll on me. Yeah. <laughs> we need to try and get Adam Levine on the podcast now, I think. Adam Levine, yeah, got to happen. We'll send this to his people and then we'll get him on. The whole set. And if he doesn't, then Meshuggah get his rider. <laughs> it's a busy time for Adam. He's really busy. He's in the room all the time. <laughs> so many rooms. So many rooms. For a reason, man. He's, he's a talented guy. <laughs> Turns out to be famous, all you gotta do is just be there in the room. That's right? it. <laughs> That's key. You just you've just gotta turn up. Yeah. yeah. That's what they say. That's what Adam Levine says. <laughs> I've heard him say that before. 
<laughs> so to bring it away from the perfect gigs at the moment, uh... and from Adam Levine, <laughs> Adam Levine. <laughs> Why? <laughs> but like, what have you noticed in particular since returning? Like the landscape of kind of this heavy alternative scene has changed so much. What have been the key things, whether it be just very much in general, whether it be out on the road, on tours, music-wise, what have been like the main changes and how has that kind of helped you adapt in this kind of second run? I mean, it certainly has changed. I mean, obviously, like, as I mentioned the last time I spoke to you guys, so I work in the live music industry and I can see the changes there big time, you know. Um, you have to kind of change your strategy a lot and I think a lot of bands are cottoning onto that with their, like, their merch merch games and stuff like that a lot of bands change how they tour these days you you see a lot more people sort of like multitasking and stuff like that you get a lot of bands that do all their own designs and you know like the, the production is pretty much i i know bands that like they'll program all their own lights like joe programmed all our lights for our bury me video you know and stuff like that and like a lot of people are multitasking learning new skills for sure that's definitely one thing i've noticed instead of you know getting someone else to come in you know and all that which is, I, and that's good but at the same time that also you could argue that puts pressure on the live music industry with crew members and things like that you know i think there's a lot of people who are like touring professionals who aren't in bands who make a living off of touring and who perhaps find it harder to find work now as well maybe you know because of that you know you got to get better and sharper and and a lot more streamlined these days to, for sure to survive um i think for me it's i've seen more people turning up to shows in fact i've seen younger people coming to our shows than we did do when we were playing five years ago which is really really encouraging because it's the kind of age that we were when we started going to shows um we had kids of like 13 14 come to our shows that we were doing on tour that is okay who are coming to see us that was really amazing to see I was one of my favorite bits about touring with them because um, or just that tour in general, mainly because I know that they're going to go away and they're going to start their own bands and they're going to do something completely different that we can't even comprehend at this point. You know, they're on the edge of a music scene that's like kind of exploding at the moment. I think um, heavy music has had a big resurgence and younger kids are getting into it via, I don't know, maybe TikTok or Instagram or whatever they're using these days, those kids. And um. Uh, to be honest, it was just reminded me of being so inspired as a as a young person going to gigs and then going and writing stuff that, you know, may not have been that good, but it built the foundations for the kind of stuff I write now. And, um, you know, these kids will, some of these kids will be better than us in a big way that would come to those shows. So we have no idea who's going to be at them and who's going to be doing what in 10 years time. But, you know, it's the kind of informative experiences you have as a teenager that, you know, build you as an adult. It was amazing to be part of that. I suppose that's reassuring for yourselves as well like having kids that young at your shows now like you knowing that they weren't they wouldn't have been fans sort of when you were first around they're kind of a new audience for you so you're not only appealing to the people that were stuck around and are happy that you've come back you're appealing to new a new audience as well absolutely you know they'd have been like eight nine years old when we were playing before like they're what 13 14 now it's also amazing it means it shows that the scene is continuing this music this genre of music and heavy music is just like continuing on it's just nice to see it's not dying out not that i ever thought it was it was but it's just great to see that continuum yeah striving we touched on it briefly earlier but you guys are playing takedown festival uh later this year um and you're playing an acoustic set as well in the vip area have you guys yeah. sort of had a think or made any preparations about sort of playing a more stripped back kind of set 
I think we, we started to piece that together. We've got some really cool ideas that are going to be, we want to make it as special as possible because that is quite an unusual thing, you know. Um, we've, as as a band, to my knowledge, I might be corrected on this, we've only done one acoustic set before and that was only because we, when we turned up at the gig, there was no PA system. <laughs> so so we the show went on and we sorted that out and did that off the cuff but this time we've got time to actually plan it and it's going to be really cool there's it's so i think there's something really cool about seeing a band that that is usually you know blow your head off heavy translate that and actually i think our songs translate really well to acoustic as well to be honest you know and um you know like joe's done solo music before on his own as an acoustic player as well anyway and i think it's like we're, we're very lucky I'm going, to, I'm going to blow smoke up my vocalists behinds with this one. I feel very lucky that we have two vocalists who can blow your head off with a scream, but can also swing, sing you sweet, sweet lullabies at the same time. You know, we're very, we're very, very uh, blessed with that. I think so. I, I call Larry up every night and I sing him to sleep. Yeah. Lullabies for, for for when Adam just can't get it done. Exactly when, Adam, when he's when he's not in the room. He's on vocal rest. I I take the flame. And I sing loud to sleep. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're really, we're really excited to do that takedown. There's loads of there's loads of really cool um, acoustic sets going on through the whole weekend as well, mm. and it's it's something that takedown likes to you know it's it's I think it's something that is quite unique for a festival to offer. To be honest, you don't really get that that often, to my knowledge. Um, no, hundred percent. I think like seeing it last year and kind of just dipping out between all the different areas and then all of a sudden turning a corner without properly looking at the schedule and just seeing Skindred there doing an acoustic yeah. set. And then I'm just standing there watching it. So much variety kind of going on throughout it. I think it is very unique and very different. I think it just helps make Takedown stand out and just be so much more strong. I call it value for money. And uh, I think it's... Definitely. I mean, for an upgrade, it's pretty affordable as well. I can't remember how much the pricing for it is this year, but last year is really well worth the money, I mm. think. You know, name another festival where you can get that close to a band that you've loved. Do you know what I mean? And hear exactly. this song in a way that you've probably never heard it before. It's gonna, it's gonna be really, really cool. Right then. So we've had all your three bands so far. We'll come back to you, Larry, to start off again. Who is your headliner for your perfect gig? Okay. Right. Uh, I've chosen Deftones. Um, and they can be a bit hit and miss live. I hope they don't hear me say that. Because I'll be devastated if I've upset, upset them. But they can be a bit hit and miss. I've seen them a ton of times. It's about 50 50 how, if they're awful or amazing. Um, but I'll take that risk every day. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful band. I wouldn't be in music without them. And they are definitely a headliner for me all, all day long. How'd you first discover them? Um, so I came across them on a compilation CD for The Matrix. Um, and it was actually the first Deftone song was the first song I ever played live, actually, which is uh, My Own Summer. I played it in front of my school with a band and we were very under rehearsed. And uh, it was but but it was the only heavy song. Everyone else was doing like Nirvana songs and stuff like that or Chili Peppers songs. And then we came in with Deftones and nobody knew it was Deftones because we didn't sound like it at all. <laughs> but in our heads, we sounded like the Deftones. And uh, yeah, I've always got a special place for Deftones. All my tattoos are Deftones tattoos and stuff. You know, I just love them to bits. I hope they Do you want to like try and pop on with a feature for them, take over, have a little bit of a, a jam with them? Yeah, you know, they've been asking me to, but I'm just so busy. It's, it's, it's really <laughs> difficult. 
I've got a full time full time job as a uh, as an Adam Levine. Uh, you know, I I I, I move him around different rooms. Yeah, you know, he his legs give out, so I have to carry him to different rooms. And I can imagine it takes only, up a lot of your time. That's the only reason I haven't I haven't been on stage with Deftones. That's mm. the only reason. Only reason. If so you were to go better. on stage with Deftones, what song would you go on with? Uh, I I would love to I would love to have a good old screen to hexagram from their self titled, which is my favourite album, their biggest and best album in my opinion. Would you want them to play that in full at all? Oh man, dude, it'd be amazing. Sadly, they barely play any songs from it these days. Only a couple of them, but they've got a lot of albums. That's the problem when you get the same for Radiohead. I imagine. How do you pick a set list when you've got that many albums and all that time? But I guess you just don't. I guess you just don't. You know, yeah. I just don't play anymore, do they? You just yeah. You just... Well, they've just started a whole new band. Yeah, they're they? yeah, they like well, too many songs to start something else. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> There's something there's something really cool about a Deftones gig. If you ever get a chance to see them live, please do it because it's 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 about more than just like blowing your head off. They're really atmospheric and just a beautiful band in general. Right then, Joe, who's capping off your gig? Masuga. Covering the war on covering the war on drugs. Best metal band I've ever seen ever. Um, hands down, one hundred percent like in the most immersive insane and the safest mosh pit i've ever been in yet so just like intense as well yeah interesting but when Demios came on they didn't actually play bleed when i saw them and i didn't mind that too much um because i think they've got better songs although i do love bleed but Demios, when Demios came on i literally just grabbed the guy's shoulders in front of me and was just like jumping up on him like that but you know it seemed it seemed to chill i don't know i was inebriated so you know that yep. might have made it better but so, so when you say it was a safe mosh pit not necessarily it was safe for you but not necessarily for everyone else around you i had my shirt off the shirt came straight off in the first five seconds and i was just like <laughs> <laughs> and then, then we went away um but they're also um half of their set is covering maroon fire <laughs> yes that, and, yeah uh, we need that <laughs> adam levine has taken a break from the side of stage mm-hmm Larry's carried him to his dressing room. Larry, Larry's brought him in. Larry's having the overcooked pasta. Josh Homme has taken over for Adam, Adam Levine. Because um, Josh Homme is Adam Levine, Levine's butler. All right. Like, you know, Actually, you know how, facts. not many people know that. You know, no, like, I've never heard of that. Is that an exclusive? No, it's just, it's like, it's like Batman and Jeans. <laughs> what's his name? Um, Alfred. Awesome. Alfred, Alfred. I was going to call him Arnold for a second. <laughs> the defunct online search engine. <laughs> no, no, I changed it. I changed it. I changed it. It's not Josh Homme. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Incredible. <laughs> Our mistakes. Sorry. Yeah. Who, who watches and <laughs> judges how good, how good Sugar are doing a covering Moon 5. And they also have to have the intense costume changes incredible any any other specifics for the set song wise oh they're playing they're playing all of class and they're playing um they're playing a bunch of stuff from immutable as well i love the new album simultaneously yeah uh, simultaneously. yeah <laughs> these are sounding like perfect gigs or at least it's, very unique gigs yeah <laughs> the, the only set that you really get to enjoy is as, as everything unfolds from then on it's just very interesting I can't I'm just here for the ride (laughs) (laughs) so we're right at the start of the year right now we've got the whole of 2024 ahead of us pretty much 
what are your expectations and hopes for the end of the year? What what would be a successful year for Shields in your eyes? Well, the way I'm viewing this year is as a foundational building year. We're basically building the foundations and strengthening them. We're building the foundations that are going to support us in 2025. Um, we have like plans, for, a lot of plans for touring and um, releasing more music and more just everything of what we want to be doing. So the idea is that if we build the right foundations this year, we solidify those, then that will support us in a way that allows us to continue with our lives because, you know, that's what we didn't have before. We're touring like six months of the year when we were playing in Shields five, six years ago. Um, but allows us to do this band that we're all very passionate about. So if we manage to do that, that will be my main achievement for this year. And um, that paired with, you know, releasing the best of the music that we've been writing um, in whatever shape or form that takes on. Uh, we'll have to see, but yeah, I think if we get that right, then it'll be a good year, 2025. So just before we conclude and wrap up with perfect gigs, just going to throw you one more question with it. These gigs, what venue would you like them to take pace in? The Underworld. Yes, that, genuinely, that is my favourite venue to go to. Yeah. I love that place. I'm now thinking about the logistics for Radiohead Stage. Are, <laughs> are, are they just going to sort of be around that pillar in the middle? Yeah, no, they're gonna. They're We're gonna sort of hanging off the pillar. They were gonna put some little ledges on the pillar, like a cat, apparatus, <laughs> with a little scratching post at the bottom for Tom. Radio have, yeah, Radiohead and their string orchestra have to sit on the pillar. <laughs> Larry, where's yours taking place? Um, it's gonna be in my kitchen. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, very exclusive. Um. Uh, despite me saying everyone should check them out, it's only going to be run for like 12 people. Um, Is that so, on Levine there? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it'd be in my kitchen because I have seen a video of the Chariot, uh, another Rest in Peace legendary band, playing in somebody's like living room in Australia, I think. And it's just mental. And for once, I would like to be cool enough to be at one of them gigs. I've never been there before in one of those things. And... I want to be at one, so it's going to be my own house. <laughs> I, I always think about that. We don't really have like a basement show culture in the UK like the US has, so yeah, man. maybe that's the solution. In your kitchen. Like, Stick in know, the kitchen. Like, I remember seeing early shots of like Beartooth when they started out, literally playing people's like backyards and stuff, and the same for like Attila and all those bands. I've never done a cool... I always thought they were so cool. I would love to mm. play a place like that. Do you know what I mean? I want to play Denny's. I want to play Denny's. To summarise, Joe, we've got As Everything Unfolds, Radiohead with a stage in the middle of the room, The War on Drugs covering sugar for half of the set, and Adam Levine will, or Adam Levine might leave or throw up on them and do other horrible things to them. We've got then sugar covering Maroon 5 for half the set, all taking place in the underworld. Are you happy with what you've created there? Yeah, I think it's feasible. Yeah. And then Larry, we've got Alkaline Trio, Every Time I Die, Biffy Clara and Deftones in your own kitchen. Yeah, man. That means you're like home straight off. There's no like curfew for you as well. You're just already home. Uh, no one can stop you apart <laughs> apart from the police. Maybe. And maybe they'll come and do a set. Yeah. And if my landlord... <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much, guys. Um, looking forward to seeing you in particular at Takedown Festival and for what the rest of 2024 is in store for you. And very intrigued to hear new music. So thank you so much for your time. It's been thank you very much, boys. Thank you. And we'll let everyone in the comments decide who's one out of the two of you there we'll keep an eye on those and let you know oh, no, I'm, I'm conceding to joe man his gig's so <laughs> better no man a kitchen gig's pretty cool <laughs> incredible thank you very much guys
Okay. Thanks so much, guys. See you soon. See ya. Cheers. Some interesting gigs there. Eh? Yeah, I don't think anyone else is going to pick anything to match that. No. Very, very unique stuff. Never Let, thought about a kitchen before. Never thought about the kitchen. It's a good idea. Never thought about the kitchen. Like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. We're about to start leading up towards festival season. It's coming thick and fast. So subscribe, stay up to date with other content, and get ready for the summer. And who do you want to see us chat to next? Whose perfect gig do you want to hear? Let us know in the comments and let your favourite bands know on social media.